The following program was made possible by Ward's lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. Welcome to the program where we will be speaking with... Uh, sorry, I, I, I better take this and kill the theme music for a moment. Hello there. Denis Grignon, it's Jessica Talfer here, Lindsay Advocate, Print Edition and Online. Oh, hi, Jess. Everything good over at... Uh... Uh, no time for chit-chat. Working on a story and I need your response. You recently posted that your podcast reached 3,500 downloads. Uh, yeah, we're always looking to increase our audience, but um, yeah, we're, we're quite happy with that milestone. A rival podcast, however, is questioning the legitimacy of those number of listeners, particularly in three townships inside of what used to be Victoria County. Your rival is demanding a recount of those former townships. It's all over Twitter, and you know they're serious because the tweets are in all caps. Oh, wow. R rival podcast? It you mean another podcast focusing on the people, stories, and issues of Kawartha Lakes? I mean, it, it, who? These podcasters call themselves... <laughs> Sorry, that's uh, that's just the beep on my, my microwave oven. Lunch is ready. Can you respond to these allegations of download fraud, Mr. Grignon? Are you willing to allow an impartial third party to conduct a recount? Hmm. Um, gee, I, I, I guess I'd be fine with that. Um, can, can we talk after the show? Yes, this is a developing story. Other download numbers are still coming in. So go ahead, start your theme music. Okay, let's try this again. My name is Denny Grignon. I host this show, which is like a radio program on your computer or your phone. Today, coming out of your phone or a computer speaker, you'll hear how Fenland is now a hotbed of poetry. Realtors have had to make adjustments when touring prospective buyers through houses. Brad Bird sits down to tell us what that's been like and how, pandemic be darned, home sales are up everywhere. What the fridge and other included appliances is that all about? The Downeyville Dozen is not a new Netflix Western. It's a, uh, well, be patient. We'll get to it a bit later. And some music from a band we'll be sitting down with in a future episode. So this is a bit of a teaser of sorts. Looking forward to a song from Looking for Heather. If you're in a safe space, but only if it's safe, take off that mask and grab a mirror if one's handy. You're going to want to see how we can make you smile. With episode 20 of The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Those are our best lanes um, that we do specifically for parties. Um, once COVID's over, you'll have up to 12 on your lane. And in your section, you have an additional seating for about eight when you have all the chairs in here. Um, hand sanitizer stations, your coat room. So when you first come in, you drop off your coats and your shoes. And then you come, um, let us know how many games you want to play, head down to your lane. Okay, right. so this was never part of the bowling alley I remember. I remember no. bowling alley hot dogs, I don't remember this. So yeah, we have a full service restaurant. Um, so we make all our dough in-house and everything is all made fresh. And we only use fresh toppings, it drives me nuts when you, you know, you go out and you order mushrooms on your pizza and it's like canned mushrooms. I'm like, why? Why indeed. We actually bought a couple of those pizzas and uh, you know what, they did pass my uber high pizza standards that I grew up with in Cornwall, Ontario. That was Bren Nevskoski touring me through a very revamped Strike Point bowling alley in Lindsay, which now includes a full kitchen slash restaurant called Tangles, which Bren was brought in to run. 
Big changes that were designed to cater to those staff and group gatherings, like the ones we typically see right around now, the, the Christmas gatherings. But then, you know what, not necessarily put the brakes to seeing a return on that investment. The bowling alley has been open for business and, and they're doing fine, but it certainly has slowed down that return on investment. Still, there was uh, no wallowing here, as you will hear Bren, who has some experience with marketing and social media describe. Just some creative pivoting. That's a kind of COVID-era business term he's introduced me to and uh, he will expound on. First, Bren started by taking me back to that day last March. We finally got everything up and running. We were super stoked by the end of February. We were heading right into our busiest time of the year, which is March break for us. Yeah, it was right then and it just, it was one of those moments of crap, what are we gonna do? Um, Tell me about that moment of saying that, you know, when you're all yeah. sitting down and going, okay, now what? Yeah, um, we honestly, we weren't really sure. We thought about different ways of pivoting um, and really just kind of changing and focusing maybe just on doing takeout. I personally have always been business and entrepreneurial myself. So to me, pivoting is just something that any small business has to do. Um, and that is just making that last minute change that goes with the flow. So, you know, if there's this pandemic, then you just got to change your ways to make things work. I don't get bummed very often. If I do, I have, I make this rule of having a five minute self pity party and that is it. You um, schedule it, get I, it out of the way. That's basically it. Yeah, I'll sit down and I'll say, okay, write down all the things that are driving you nuts and then just like throw that away and get started on the solutions because there's no point in wallowing in self pity because everyone's going through this. I mean, it could be so much worse for me. Coming in the next day after they kind of announced that everything was going to be shut down, um, we all kind of knew it was coming, but um, we really didn't have an, an option at that point anyways. Like our facility, because we were bowling and just the type of activity we were, we had to close. So unless we wanted to keep running the kitchen and just do takeout, that was really the only option at the time anyways for us. Um, you pivoted. But... Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. And we, yeah, we really did. We made everything work. And I think this year, everything's coming up really strong for us. And we're seeing the same type of curve that we do every year. So staying in touch with the community and really being in touch. I mean, obviously numbers are down, um, but we're still trending the same way that we always do. So. So take me back to that moment when the door swung open and you're sitting here, You've got your masks on going, okay, what's going to happen? We're, you know, we're close to opening. Let's swing open the doors. What's that going to be like? Take, take me that moment. I think we were really excited. We knew that with our facility, there's so much opportunity to social distance. And with being in your social bubble, you are still able to bowl, which is great. So we just made sure that we had all of the uh, precautions in place. And Mike was phenomenal, reached out reached out to the lawyers, reached out to um, the health unit and probably 10 other places in between, the bowling, uh, Bowling Canada, he followed their guidelines. Um, what was that like, just having to check all those little boxes, you know, when really, before all of this, people just come in, bowl, yeah, grab a, grab a slice of pizza that we from our new oven and everybody happy. What was it like just having to deal with all of that? Yeah, it's a lot of moving pieces, but the nice thing is, is it was all there. So you kind of have to just take it and pull it all together. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was kind of disheartening at first because we had done all these renovations. We were super stoked for birthday parties and Christmas parties and holiday parties. Um, and it was something we'd been planning literally since January of last year. So we were so excited to be launching 
But we kind of looked at the situation and said, you know what, first of all, it's hard for the businesses to, um, to really be focused and say, yes, I'm going to have this specific date set aside for a birth or for a holiday party when they don't know what's coming around the corner. And we know that everybody's in a different position, whether they feel safe going out, whether they don't, but everybody still needs to be able to celebrate. You were, you were that confident that regardless of how things are molding out, that people are going to want to congregate. You, you, you saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody needs to be able to get out. And so for us, we wanted to create something that would allow people to still be able to celebrate and get out and feel community oriented. But if you can't physically come out to our space, we wanted to be able to bring it to you. So what we did was created a, for $150 package, you get $125 in gift cards uh, that can be used whenever. For the bowling alley. Uh, for the bowling alley. And then we also will provide you a $60 in food value and we deliver that right to your door. So there's a lot of flexibility with it, whether you want to just postpone your, uh, your Christmas party and do that as a thing or say, you know what, this year, let's have our, let's eat our food in our retail space or in our own place. And then here's gift cards for you and your family. What do you think the most important tool has been or, or the philosophy you've had to live by throughout weathering all of this yeah honestly i say strap on your life jacket and just ride the wave it's just you have to go with the flow because otherwise you get you get down in the dumps and it just doesn't go well for you what would you tell those businesses who like you either were just on the cusp of you know introducing big changes to their business or Mm -hmm. just bought a new business and then boom this hit and now they're weathering it and trying to get through it what what would you suggest to those people I would tell them to, first of all, hang on. Um, but if things are, if you're really struggling, look out to your other, to your community because we're all in this together and every single business has a different um, way of looking at things. A lot of people are doing a really great job with pivoting themselves. So look at different ways and opportunities that you can pivot so that you can help ride this wave. As long as everything is safe, that everybody starts coming together and really starts enjoying the spaces and creates memories. That's what really it's all about is having laughs and having fun and, and creating all those memories. Hi, my name's Brendan Naskowski and I'm from Glen Arm. I'm here at Strike Point Bowling Center and Tangle Speed 7. And you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. We are 100% local media. I am referring to the Lindsay Advocate magazine, the Lindsay Advocate online, and of course the program you're listening to right now. Brought to you by Ward's Lawyers in Lindsay. For all your legal needs, Carissa and Jason Ward and their team of lawyers have you covered. Find them at wardlegal.ca. Coming up, we tell you about a local calendar featuring local fellas, all in support of a local community hall, spearheaded by a force of nature of a woman, and I say that with so much reverence, who, trust me, would prefer she be identified not so much as local, but Downeyville woman. You had to actually talk each of them into it, other than Pete Downey. He stepped right up because someone else dropped out at the last minute. I think they're shy. I think, you know, at first I talked them into it because, like, I'm pretty good at getting you to say yes. Some of the men said to me, you know, like, so, like, am I wearing clothes? And I went, yes. We're affiliated with the church. Of course you are. Like, I mean, I really don't want to get excommunicated at my age. I don't have time to fix it. (laughs) That was Mary Connell, the woman behind a unique calendar called the Downeyville Dozen, which features 12 Downeyville male products. Not so much models, but willing men 
who agreed to have their picture taken in their career environment. A paramedic, contractor, auctioneer, teacher, firefighter, just to name a few there. Now, the woman behind the camera is Downeyville photographer Ashley O'Neill. Ashley, what was your reaction when Mary Connell approached you about this fundraising project for the Downeyville Hall? When I first got the phone call, I was slightly overwhelmed because I'm not originally from this community. My husband is. I'm originally from Ox Township. So a lot of the ones that I was taking photos of were people that he grew up with. Not a lot of them, but some of them didn't couldn't put a face to me yet. They knew who he was, but and they knew he had gotten married, but they weren't totally sure on me yet. So it was a little overwhelming at first because I didn't know a lot of them. And I had to try and make a more positive impression because my husband did. And I do love this community. I love how amazing everyone is together and they're just so close but i do get the sense that uh, you were i don't know if tentative is the right word but the stakes were higher yes oh very much so. <laughs> yes <laughs> what was that like you know when that when that model quote unquote is sit, standing there and and you've got your camera what was going through your mind uh, the first thought going through my mind is please don't mess this up in my own head i'm like just please don't mess this up because it had been so long that I was actually given a job that is going to be so big. I never, ever imagined when I was approached with this that there would be 300 calendars being sold. I thought it was just a few families here and there. And then when Mary told me the, the number, I was like, oh, my goodness, I really need to step up my game. So the first person that I did take a photo of was Gary Kennedy. And I made the foolish mistake and I called him by the wrong name right off the bat. And he's like, no, you're looking for me. And I was like, I am so sorry. <laughs> so that it started off rough, but he was so great about it. And he, so I ended up taking his picture. And after that first one, it was a lot easier. I think I just needed to get over that hump of, okay, I'm not as nervous anymore. It isn't as bad as it's going to be. These, these men are going to be fine. What made you more nervous? Uh, the subjects, the fact that they're, you know, they're, they're so entrenched in that Downeyville community that you're new to, or, or, or the fact that it was a 300 calendar gig? I think there's a little bit of both. Um, maybe more so that it is the 300 because it's not when I'm taking a picture of just the one person, I'm just interacting with that one person. But this one person is going to take the calendar and have it given for Christmas presents and all of that kind of stuff. So their whole family is going to see it. So then they're also going to be judging the photo and looking at the photo. So that that started to take a little bit of a toll on my, am I doing this right? Am I doing okay with this? And so my confidence level was a little bit short at first, but it's like I'm once I got going, it was great. But I'm wondering what the mood was like for them. Were they just kind of resigned and let's get this over with? Or were they eager? Were they grumbling or were they pumped? <laughs> they, the guys, I, I have so much respect for, for them because a lot of men do not get their photos taken unless it's their wives forcing them to get family pictures done. So uh, they were great. They're like, we don't know what we're doing how long this is going to take and it took maybe five ten minutes with, with each of them and they were all surprised at how quick it was i did have a list of people who we were starting with and then as we started some from the community didn't want to do it anymore why is so that? why do you think they uh, they bailed I, I think nerves and 
a Mary is so persuasive yes. and she, I, I think she's fantastic. Um, but she's very hard to say no to. <laughs> so then when I think it was somebody else asking, it was a little bit easier to say no, especially when they didn't really know who I was with my husband growing up here. He wasn't originally part of the calendar and Mary realized she's like, well, he is, from Downeyville, so do you think he will be part of the calendar? And I said, well, I'm going to make him now. <laughs> so it was great, for example, with Pete Downey, where we were trying to figure out, we're like, we know during the pandemic we're not going to be able to get into a school. So how can we make this photo look like a teacher's photo? So we made sure we went to St. Luke. We're like, this is perfect. This is the central ground, St. Luke of Downeyville. Let's take the picture there. It took a lot of a lot of playing around and trying to figure out scenarios and trying to figure out especially where the men are most comfortable. It worked out really really great. As a photographer, how does this rank in terms of uh, for yourself uh, of all the the shoots that you've been on? Easily one of my top pro- this is probably my top actually. It gave me the opportunity to take their pictures and it's 12 different families getting to show what they, they enjoy, their hobby, their job. This is what these men do every day. This is, who, this is a big part of who they are. And now they get to share this with everyone. Hi, I'm Ashley O'Neill from Downeyville, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Cortha Lake. Did you catch that? Ashley making it clear she's not from Downeyville originally, even though you could toss a bale from where she did grow up in ops. (laughs) I love that. Trust me, Downeyville is a very welcoming community. I know from firsthand experience, but Ashley's statement speaks to Downeyville's distinctiveness. Now, those calendars actually sold out quickly, but there could be a second printing if the demand is there. You can contact Mary Connell at 705 793 2013. Season's greetings. I'm Jamie Morris with The Advocate Magazine. For my December column, I interviewed Dan Vanderswet, who with his wife Heidi and their kids operates Potash Creek Farms, southeast of Emily Park. It's the city of Kawartha Lake's only cut-your-own Christmas tree farm and is open just eight days a year for the four weekends leading up to Christmas. In the column, you'll learn about the eight months' work that goes into preparing for those eight days and about the surprising role played by some Shropshire sheep. You'll also find out about the experience that awaits you if you make the trip out to the Vanderswet's farm. Think trees, wreaths, and hot cider. That's in the December issue of The Advocate magazine, available at Life Labs Medical Building on Angeline Street or McHale's Cafe in Omimi. So glad you could be with us for episode 20 of The Advocate podcast. We are brought to you free, courtesy of our official sponsor, Ward's Lawyers, your complete legal team. Find them and check out their super cool website at wardlegal.ca. A band I've wanted to talk to for quite some time, which I will do in an upcoming episode, is acoustic rock duo Looking for Heather. Lindsay's Jeff Gutteridge and Jay Bowes are looking for Heather, and this is one of their singles, The Sound. Cross 
song called The Sound, performed by Jeff Cutteridge and Jay Bowes, a.k.a. Looking for Heather. Hear my conversation with the Lindsay duo in an upcoming episode super soon. Until then, buy their music. It's really, really good and extremely well produced at lookingforheather.com. This is Melissa Weems from Ward's Lawyers and Lindsay, your official sponsor of The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Home sales are up in Kawartha Lakes, way up in some cases. Now, that's good news for local realtors, but take a moment to wonder what that job must be like right now, touring prospective buyers through a home, people you've never met before. Realtor Brad Bird dropped by my house recently 
full disclosure, a house that Brad sold us as he was selling our previous house. Brad sat down well across from me, removed his mask, and right next to his chair. Show you my little kit here. I've got yeah. wipes, I've got gloves, I've got tons of sanitizers, and uh, and I got triple of everything. So what I'm worried about is running out, so you don't want to be running out you know, find out when you go to a house uh, that you don't have gloves. So I always have triple of everything. And then once I lose one box, I go back and get another one. So I call it my doctor's kit. I don't know how it's going to, it's all alcohol. So it's, it, you don't even have to take it in for the, on the cold nights. So you got to show up with gloves and a mask. Uh, you tell the buyers that there can only be two. Um, and you also tell them that they have to keep their hands in their pockets. Anything that they want me to touch, I will open it because I also bring a wipe in with me. Now, they do oddly make mistakes because they're not used to it. So, And I tell them, like, if you make a mistake, just let me know and I'll wipe it down for you. But usually everybody's got used to this routine. You just, I think it's just more of, you guys get it as a habit that you're doing it all the time. So I just took the... The rule that, you know, if you just look at it seriously and, and keep clean, keep a, a distance and keep wearing your masks and gloves. So I've been doing the, the mask things right, right pretty much from the beginning. Mm. What's the mood like when you're walking somebody through the house? where you can't have those smiles, uh, if they're tentative, if you're tentative, what's, how, how does that whole pitch take place now, that whole Well, process? you still try to make, you know, I always introduce, I, hi, I'm Brad Bird with a mask and, and uh, you know, I just, I try to make a little, always make the showings a little bit enjoyable. So uh, you, you can still, I can still see people's eyes and stuff when they like stuff. So yeah, no, it is, it's definitely different, but no tire kickers or no people with just you know we used to get people just want to look at houses so we we didn't get hardly any of that so this you know when they went and looked at a house they'd almost buy it so they were serious they were serious now we've lately because people are getting used to it the people that are not so serious are starting to come back out again but again we're getting the numbers are getting higher so people probably get serious so the tire kickers sort of go with the ebb and flow of whatever the numbers are in the province at that time Yeah. yeah At first, I forgot I was supposed to be opening the doors and turning on the lights. So the people would kind of stand back and wait for me. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I gotta, I'm got supposed to be opening the door for them and turn on the lights. But no, right now it's more of a routine. I just say, hey, if you want me to touch thing, I will grab it and then I wipe it down. But I still have the gloves on and the mask. And I actually, I, I mean, I've been fussy about, uh, my friends always made fun of me years ago when I was going to airplane, I'd always wipe it down anyway. So I've always been fussy that way anyways. So what's the actual walkthrough like when you're walking with someone through a house? Is it, do you have that hockey stick length in between you and, and the other person? You do, but there's rooms you can't. You just gotta, you gotta back, you know, like say, excuse me. You, you, I tend to say, excuse me a lot because you have, you're waiting for them to move and, they're, but they're looking so... It's, it's, sometimes I think it's funny, but you just say, excuse me, they get it. Everybody gets it now. So they're getting, they definitely are getting used to it. Has it ever happened where you're just ready to walk into a house and you can just tell that the prospective buyer is not buying into all the protocols and, and you're thinking, how am I going to work through that? I find it more the men that don't take as seriously as the ladies and the ladies take it very seriously. And, uh, and it, it's a, it's a. A terrible virus that everybody should take seriously. Sales are up. From Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay. What, what do you make of that, given everything we're living in right now and everything you just discussed and that huge bag you have of, of all these safety items? Because uh, the inventory is low. 
everybody wants to move to the country or we, you know, even Lindsay's considered country compared to Toronto. So it does seem almost counterintuitive to everything else that's happening, though, where we're being told to stay home. You know, people are working from home. Some people aren't working at all. And yet, boom, this is happening. Are you surprised? Does that... I am surprised because when I when April came, I didn't know what was going to go on. I was I don't usually get too often nervous, but I was actually nervous as you. And and plus, I I run the company, so I I have people that I have to worry about that they had jobs and they have the kids look after. So the offers have been fun and the prices for sellers have been great. But it's it's been one of those processes where not as much you know fun anymore because it's it's this virus is just there's nothing fun about it but uh, first if you're selling your house it's been fun hi my name is brad bird from Lindsay, and you're listening to the advocate podcast stories from kortha lakes you can read all about the new real estate landscape in Kawartha Lakes and its impact on first-time buyers. Check out publisher Roderick Benz's feature in the December edition of The Advocate magazine, available at Smitty's Restaurant and Boiling Over Coffee Vault. So this is called My Eldest Daughter. A 50-year fight with no end in sight. <laughs> there is love, but so hard. She rails against the moon and me. Every word... Even the organizers admit this is unique to their town. Endless, never-ending hours. Overloaded, my mind goes numb. A poetry club that meets at the Colborne Gallery in Fenland Falls. About 10 people, seated in a circle, yes, safely apart and wearing masks, sharing poetry, their poetry. The night is led by Rosemary Condon and Laurie Rockman. We were amazed at so many people with so much talent became interested in the process and joined the group. And we have some wonderful poets. My ego rises and I get angry, my eldest daughter. We were in disbelief that there were so many people that uh, was, were interested. And as a person who writes poetry, I realized that not everyone responds to poetry. So when you can sit in a room with other people who kind of get it, other and people from Fenland Falls. Other people from Fenland Falls. But then, too, we draw people from Lindsay and Halliburton. Uh, so it, it, we become a center. Ideas come slow, unsure, in the middle of the night. Like snowflakes that appear to be gentle. Many soft. of us paint pictures with our words. And so we don't critique each other's poetry, but we talk about it and reinforce the other person's vision and, and how they're portraying uh, life in their poetry. From a smooth waltz into a country day. Get feedback from friends, colleagues. As poets who, who create, how do you separate yourself from everything that's going on and still create? You might call it a bit of escapism. <laughs> you know, uh, I've, I've traveled much of Canada, wilderness travels, and a lot of my writing poetry is, is based on nature, uh, wild rivers uh, and, and the seasons and the natural world. Uh, some of it is based in my inner world and turmoil and struggles as an artist, as a human being. And some of it, uh, COVID, I wrote a COVID rant when I needed to be self-isolate. Uh, but most of the poetry is not related to COVID. 
My love is a barbecue, messy, Cajun style. Lick your fingers, settle in, plan to stay a while. Your love is a foreman grill, flattened, charboiled flavors. Leaving all the juices in the pan doesn't do me any favors. My love is a croque-en-bouche, fabulous high flame. Rosemary just mentioned that you don't critique each other's work. No. From my point of view, it is freeing. It's free, yes, it's freeing to, uh, I think, for the poets or for any artist to be free, to express, to experiment without the pressure or the fear of, you know, of criticism. You should come here more often. Your love is a bento box, a pallid geometric dish. It is a solitary pursuit. Uh, out in nature, in our studio, in our, wherever, we create the poem, middle of the night. Um, but then we bring it here to the group and voice the poetry and it resonates with people and sometimes... How, you know, how can you tell it resonates with them? Especially now that we're all wearing masks. Ah, you, we, it's not a facial expression. As someone, you, you um, coin a phrase, use a phrase in your poetry and you hear an intake of breath and you know that it hits somebody, that they related to what you were doing. I don't know how would I describe it? It's, kind of, it's a love poem called Vague Directions. I remember meeting her in twilight when the anxiety of being two took its full tumultuous hold. We were two concave lenses. The time faded and the day fogged into feather pillows at night. It's a delicate machine, creativity. And, you know, it's very easily derailed by somebody's unkind words but we like to validate and encourage. I think it frees people up. The still moist window pane glitters sometimes at first light. We are horizon returning at dawn to close completeness. Do you remember, Laurie, the first time somebody read your words and you were there to hear them? Oh, yes. <laughs> it, was, it was very interesting because it wasn't the way I would have read them. It was just different, and I had to... Uh, try to be objective and be an audience to my words and that was interesting that was an interesting experience the only poem I've written about COVID isolation 14 days no end plein air where water plays no sketching painting magic light anchored home both day and night I rant I rage I scream I shout but no one hears I can't go out it's a chance to socialize and share uh, a passion. Please leave me alone or if you are able maybe try to be nice. That's it. <laughs> then we went out for lunch about three days later and had a lovely day. <laughs> I'm Rosemary Condon from Fenland Falls. Hi, I'm Lori. I'm from Fenland Falls. And you are listening to The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. Is there a safer space than a poetry night? I mean, they're safe in that 2020 way, but they're also a safe space in that welcoming, open to your art way. To learn if you'd like to be part of that twice monthly poetry night, email poetrynights at artlover.com. And that's poetry nights, plural. Next one is scheduled for Tuesday, December 8th. 
Big thanks to everyone who was part of the program today, and especially Jess Topfer, new honorary member of the Cheese Factory Road Players. Big thanks, as always, to our exclusive sponsor, the people who have been with us for 20 episodes and counting. Ward's Lawyers, if you need a lawyer, they've got you covered. Find out how at wardlegal.ca. Gerald Van Halteren is the man and the musical artist behind our wonderful theme and musical bridges. The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, is produced by me, Denny Grignon. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter and at lindsayadvocate.ca. Reach out and tell us what you think of the program and what you'd like to hear. Stay safe, neighbors, and for those people you can be close to, give them an extra strong hug, would you? See you in a few weeks. Mm-hmm.